people get confused. They say TP is for stage four, but earlier than stage four, you don't have to do TP. I want to be very clear. First of all, I made up the whole stages. Someone asked me, what's the difference between stage one and stage two? I don't know. I just brought out stage four because Nabuch people know. It's, it's, a, it's a, a catchphrase, Nabuch for Yana Machla, that stage four is very, very bad. So I wanted to be able to tell people that this advice that I give is, is very for very bad situations, so I said stage four. You have to understand that the stage four, what makes the the actual practical application so bad is because if you're giving them what they need, they need so bad. Stage three, they don't need that bad, but it's still giving them what they need. There's really no difference in the application of stage four, stage three, stage two, stage one. Once a person is in stage one of Yana Machla, they're sick. They have 101 fever, so they're not 104 fever, so they're not on death's door. So what? They have fever. They're not happy. They're not matzliach in school. They're not successful in life. They don't have friends. They're unhappy inside. You don't have to wait for them to be in stage four. I just personally only deal with stage four because that's that's where I'm comfortable and that's usually most of you found that everybody else gave up. So I want to give my time for you where people gave up. But it's not that TP is only for stage four. The application is going to be different because the stage one kid doesn't re- doesn't want what the stage four kid needs. So when you're giving him the point of I'm giving you what you want so you know that I love you so you spend time and you have a nafshik shurub, a nafshik relationship. TP is not about things. It's not about buying this or giving that. That's the superficial understanding that the world thinks. Oh, you got to give them everything they want. And, and really, I don't like to say people are stupid, but how stupid are they that they think that the Mahalachas give your kid whatever they want? Have no rules. I mean, it's so foolish that they think that that's the method. That's like the, the superficial on the outside. We don't give rules that they're going to break. Because you have to do mouth-to-mouth on this kid. You have to do CPR on this kid. You have to revive this kid who's dying and save his life. So you don't put rules that they will not listen to him, won't make him better. And you give him whatever he wants, temporarily, so that way you have access to him to build a relationship. The other people go for years, not give, I'm not going to supply bad behavior, and the Baal Shem Tev said to save a kid is with love, the Chazanish said to save a kid is with love, 4,000 Divri Tire that I have, 4,000 stories in Divri Tire of authentic Gedalim that I put together, 4,000, that's how many we have. From Vishnu to Satma to Puppet to, to Chsidish to Litvish to Svaradish is only with love. And they're not having love because the kid won't talk to his parents because they're not because they have this rule. No bad, you have to have boundaries, consequences, and they give up on CPR, which we're going to learn tomorrow. How to save kids. So they give it all up and they don't even get the rule because the kid doesn't listen. So they lose the opportunity of saving their ch- children according to. Mamish authentic Torah of Rav Shimshim Pinkis of Rav Shach of Lubavitcher Rebbe of every single wherever you go that says only love is going to work and they lose the love because the kids don't respond when you're not supporting them and you can't look at them and you wish that they were not there and you don't like them and they're a disappointment it just doesn't it can't work it just can't work but there's no difference between everything of stage four, stage three, stage two, stage one. But I have a bigger chiddush for you. I raised my kids like this. There's no TP. Just the name. I don't even know who thought of it. I don't even like it. I raised my kids like this. 
understanding your child, being supportive of your child, showing them that you love them, that you like them, that you're not against them. You could ask my kids. That's the way I raised them. They were good kids. They weren't, you know, angels, but they were very good. But you don't have a rebellion in your house if you're, if you're on your kid's side. Rav Pam could not have children who would yell and scream at him because he was Rav Pam. No G'daylum raised their children with anger. And Siva Shalom says that when you're angry, it's ki'ilu oivid avaydazara. It's like you're worshiping idols. So you expect to do chinuch on your children while you're in the middle of bowing down to idols? Anger parenting never works. It can never work. It's full of avaydazara. It's cast doesn't work, yelling doesn't work. Rav Pam writes that the Rasham of whatever you're trying to say, the impression gets watered down by your volume. The louder you speak, the less they will hear. Chazanish said, I can raise my voice like a shaifer and blues and blow loud, but then people won't hear my message. So all that kind of abusive parenting and yelling and screaming and putting down and breaking people down and saying, get out of here and not sensitive parenting is not parenting. So even regular parenting, I raise my kids with TP fully. They don't take advantage. They feel loved. They feel they feel wanted. They feel supported. I could tell you so many stories, but I don't like to talk about myself. But I just feel like it's time that the world should understand and wake up to understand what works. My son, my first son. I'm going to make up the ages because I don't. It doesn't matter, but I don't remember exactly. But when cell phones came came to town, my first son got a cell phone, I think, at 17. Because that's when, when the age was that everybody got a cell phone. My next one, by the time he was 15, everybody was getting cell phones. So we thought, my, my next one, he'll get when he was 15. But when he was 12, 12 and a half, he was a cell phone freak. He was taking everybody's extra batteries and putting stuff. He was so He had a whole box of old phones and stuff like that and putting together. He was so into it. I mean, this is a kid that, that he would go hang out in the Verizon store. They had him like working there on Sundays behind the counter, this little kid. He knew everything. He was just, you know, some kids is just, you know, some kids that are, just know every car and everything about every single car. They, they have to sell cars. They have to, they have to do car leasing. It's just in there, right? This kid was phones, 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 phones. And he's begging me for a phone. I, I saw his nature. I said, we're not going to make it to 15. We're not going to make it to 15. I don't believe in giving kids cell phones. I'm very against it for many reasons. And, you know, and, and he wasn't looking for schmutz. He just, he needed, I made it, I made a executive decision. I got him before he should have gotten it. I got him a shiny new iPhone. The best. With a f- total filter. Total filter. It wasn't about the filter. It was about the concept, which I was against. And I got it for him. And, he, would, he, he, he was just so happy. He started learning better and happiness and better and better and better. Sometimes, you know, you can't fight the kid's nature. You know, you, you want your kids happy. Shlomo Volba said, the first thing is to freedom the kid. They're happy kids. And some kids, are, they don't need it and some kids, they do need it. I was very against the, the fancy um, knapsacks. I'm, I'm a very simple guy. Everything's Amazon basics. Right? One kid needed a fancy knapsack. I was very, and I brought up my kids and Baruch Hashem was matzliach for the most part that they, they don't look for labels and, and then they don't get their, their life. But growing up, it's, it's a process. 
And then this, you know, I got to get the, he needed that, you know, she needed that amazing, you know, expensive thing. I got it. I still continued being me. I still continued, but I got them what they needed and they don't need it anymore. Mom, it's very plain, plain, like it's a very plain. I had another son that needed, went through that stage. He needed a Ferragamo belt. Ferragamo belt is $400, right? My belt is $12, right here. And they know it. They know I buy, I buy the cheapest things. I'm not cheap, by the way. I just, I don't believe it. I don't need it. I don't need it. And he, he went through that stage. And I put it in the book, in GPS. There's a whole text back and forth with my kid about the Ferragamo Bell. You know? And I got it for him. Right? And, and, and now he doesn't need it. It's a process. It's a process. It's, it's, you can't win by, over, by fighting and... and, and they asked Rabbi Yashiv, how should we raise our children? Rabbi Yashiv, Rabbi Yashiv, 103 years old, 101. Did anybody have a picture of Rabbi Yashiv, of, of, of uh, Moran Rabbi Yashiv smiling? Anyone have a picture? I never saw it. He did not smile. I had pictures with him. I mean, my, there's no smile. He wasn't a huggy, lovey, kalbachy kind of guy, right? They asked him, it says right over there. They asked him, what is the proper way to raise children in our dar? Yemin Mekarevis, Yemin Mekarevis, Yemin Mekarevis. Only with love, only with, with, with drawing close. Only, only, only. They said, but what about small daicha? Sometimes you gotta reject. Sometimes. So this is one Gersa, but I heard another Gersa, his grandson, Rabbi Lipe Yisraelzon was here. He heard a different one. He said, you're right. Once in 70 years, you should do a little small daicha, a little rejection, and then go right back to Yemin Mekarevis. The real tzaddikim, look at Steinman on Chinuch, they didn't believe in rejection. It's, it's TP, it's the same thing. It's just that with a healthy kid, you don't have to buy a bong, Rahman al-Litzlan, or, or whatever. You have to know your kid and know what he wants, know what she needs. What's a want, what's a need. Sometimes a need is a want, sometimes a want is a need. You have to know your kid, and that has nothing to do with the Chinuch, because you could be a a child that, that labels and spending money is something I don't believe in while giving them labels. It's about being a dogma ishis, about having being a personal example. It's about the way you live your life. It's about the messages and it's and understanding that they need different. Because not every kid is going to be a carbon copy. So I have one kid whose favorite label, like mine, is Amazon Basics. And I have another kid who's still at the stage that really likes custom stuff. And believe Shalim, believe Shalim. I bought him a suit. That costs more than three suits that I just bought. But he needs it, and he looks good in it, and he looks great in it, and I and he and he knows from my eyes and my heart that there's no resentment, zero. I'm I'm proud of him, and he knows from my behavior that I would never do that in a million years. I bought my suits two twenty, two hundred and twenty dollars. Don't ask me what it's made out of. Two hundred and twenty dollars. I buy what my kids, my other kids buy. It's cheap, right? Two hundred and twenty dollars for a suit. Wow. Now it went up to 250 It was during COVID. I couldn't bargain. Okay. That's what I buy. And I'm happy with it. He isn't. He got a custom suit for his brother's wedding that costs more than three suits. Very close. His, I buy glasses. Everybody knows. Where do I buy glasses? Where do I buy glasses? Zenny. Zenny. $9.99. $9.99. $6.99. $19.99. I went on a little splurge. I got one for $32 with the lenses. I know, I went crazy, I don't know what it was. $32, okay? My kids know that. No, that's why I like it. My kid went to the store, he came home with glasses, 
I said, what do they do? What do they, what are they, what are they, you could see through wood? You could see that they like 3D glasses? Glasses cost more than my lease for my car. But no resentment. I told him, you look amazing. And that's what he needs. And if Amatzliach and Chinuch will know in 10 years from now. I don't have to know now. It doesn't work every step of the way. Now he's into it. In 10 years from now, let's revisit to see. And if not, I got three out of four kids. So I got mostly my way. Every kid is different. Some people need it. Some people need to look to look spick and, spick and span and spiffy and better and snazzy and shtatsy and all the other words from 1970. And some kids, they don't need it. You can't go to someone who needs it and say, we don't do that. We don't do that. Even though I don't do that. But he does do that. And it's a phase. I think it's a phase. I hope he'll outgrow it. I'm really waiting and banking on it, literally banking on it, that he'll outgrow it, you know. But if he doesn't, not only I love him the same, not much more than love him. I, I appreciate him and admire him. He's a superstar of a kid. He's steiging. He's learning. He's happy. He's my right hand. He's a helper. He's, he, this is what he needs to be happy. So what? A lot of the world is like that. It, you, we can't like make a, a list of what we want and then cut it out and cookie cutter. We expect to have 12 kids. Six are going to look like mommy. Six are going to look like Tati. They're all going to think like us. And they're all going to look like us. No, that's that's a Xerox machine. We're not Xerox machines. You're going to have one that's going to be a spitz in the blurred, and one is going to be a little bit this, one's going to be cool, and one's going to be dorky, one's going to be nerdy, one's going to be underweight, one's going to be overweight. These are human beings. And we have to we have to cope with that and give each one, even the ones that are against our nature or against our shita, right? If you're going to win, you can't be against them. You have to win by influence, slow, over time. And you don't have to necessarily win because not every kid is going to be exactly like you. They have different lives. They have different lives. They've been through different stuff. And I got news for you. It's even if they're exactly like you, they grew up 30 years after you did. You think that that wouldn't change you? Maybe that's exactly what you would be today. Maybe if you didn't grow up in 1970 and you grew up in 2020, maybe you would be them, which is the exact opposite of you, but exactly what you would be if you grew up then. So how do you know? So you have to love each kid and appreciate and admire their talent, their talents, and bring it out. And each kid has to feel, my parents are crazy about me. That's TP? What makes it crazy is that because they're suicidal and on drugs, nebuch, and they're in pikuach nefesh, that I figured out that the only way to really make them feel that is by supplying the bad, which is tomorrow. We didn't do that yet. That was my chap. Nobody thought about that. Supplying bad? That's crazy. Yeah. That was my chiddush. Supplying bad in order to get that. But when they're healthy or only a little sick, you could supply relatively good. It could be something that's not necessarily bad but that they need. And when you supply them with their needs and their wants, just like we want Hashem to supply us with our needs and our wants, they will have a relationship with you. And here's the point. It's the relationship with mom and dad that is the greatest chinuch. And that saves them from everything. And that saves them from going off the derech. And that saves them from bad friends. And helps them every step of the way. And I didn't say that. Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein said that. He said that in our dar, the first thing you have to know is loy lekalkel nefesh hayeled. Don't destroy the soul of the child. And he said, in our day, in our day when there are so many nisyanis challenges that are pulling our kids away from all sides, ripping our kids away, haderech hayaila b'yoyser, 
the greatest way to protect your children is what? Creating cables of love and connection with them. So you do whatever it takes to have those cables of love because that's what's saving your kids. Even if it means doing those other things and especially in earlier stages, it's not crazy. And with healthy kids, it's certainly not crazy. It's picking them up for recess once a week to bond with them. It's getting them what you know that anyway you're going to have to give them. Give it with a happy heart instead of them pulling it out of you. I always tell my kids, I don't want you to be in the first half of the class and I don't want you to be in the last half of the class. When a new thing comes, I don't want you to be the first one to get it or the tenth one to get it. After half the class gets it, that's when you can get it. Soon as 50%, they say, everyone's going. How many kids are going? Four out of 30? That's not enough. That was my shita. I don't want you to be in the first half. I don't want you to be in the... Once, once everyone's doing it, once a certain amount of kids are doing it, they need it. It becomes a need. So then you give it. That was my rule. And my rule worked a lot of the time. But there were many times that I had to bend the rule because it wasn't working for the kid. You understand? Because this kid needed this a lot more than his brother that said, okay, I'll wait another till another five kids get it and then I'll get it. This kid needed it now. Why? Maybe he was struggling in school. Maybe he wasn't so cool. Maybe he wanted to impress somebody. Maybe he had low self-esteem. Could be a lot of reasons. You have to know your kid. You have to know when to make a rule and when to bend the rule. Nothing terrible. Now let me tell you the punchline of the story. So this boy, this is what I want to tell you. This is a trick. This boy who I got the iPhone, whatever it was at that time, the coolest iPhone probably, iPhone 2, right? The coolest iPhone in the world. And I gave it to him before he should have had it against what I would have liked, but knowing that he would want it and with a happy heart. And I got it for him and oh, he was so happy. I was so happy to see him happy. Calls me up one day. He says, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened. My phone dropped, and when it dropped, somehow it reset. And when it reset, all the parental controls were turned off. So I changed my service already to my old flip phone, and it's waiting for you here to bring, to tag, to put parental controls on it. Let's see you do that with strength and control. What an idiot. When I was, I never would have done that. I wrote down on my calendar, every single year it comes up on that anniversary and I text him, my tzaddik, my tzaddik. I would have thought, here he is, he has his phone and it's totally kosher. I never would have known that the parental controls somehow fell off. But because of the relationship, he told me that the parental controls are off. And I already changed it, my service back on my own. It was waiting for me to make it kosher. I told him, my dear friend, my dear child, my beloved child, let's see you do that when you're older. And it happened when it was older. It happened again when he was 15 and a half, almost 16. And something else happened and the parental controls wasn't working. And he, same thing. He said, he was already almost 16 years old. He could have kol hashmutz kula al-regalachas. He had all the schmutz in the world, and I would think, yeah, he's sitting and watching uh, um, kosher Torah anytime, right? And he could be watching schmutz anytime, and I never would have known. But we have a relationship, and he knows how much I'm crazy about him. He knows it. He knows it. 
So he told me again, the parental controls isn't working. Please take it. I already switched my service to an old phone that he had from his box from when he was a kid, a flip phone. Let's see you do that with fighting. Let's see you do that with punishing. Let's see you do that with consequences and control and punishments. You'll never do it. Your kids are only going to find ways around you. They'll never tell you. They'll never tell you. I give my kids money. They give me back change. Do you get that from your kids? My brother, my son told me that all his friends, if they get change, they keep it. Because they know sometimes they're going to want money. The dad's going to say no. He said, I was always able to give my father change. Because I knew whenever I need money, I'll get money. It doesn't make them spend more. It makes them comfortable that they don't have to worry about money. And therefore, it's not a thing. So therefore, you don't have to hoard it. And you don't have to worry. And, if you need, and what they need, they get. And more and more and more. So... The whole concept of stage one, stage two, stage three, it's all baloney, Rabbi say. I happen to only want to work with a certain group. Anybody who's not in stage four would sit in this room and go running out of here. The things that you have to do to save your kids, that's what's extreme. But the concepts are all, all re- the same stuff for regular chenuch. Tell me one thing that's a TP concept that doesn't apply to a regular kid. A regular kid, they're not buying treif and they don't want bed. So what do they want? They want to go on an overnight, they want to go to a friend's house. What do they want? You give it to them. But you can't just give if you're not giving the love and the connection and you don't have the nafshik shur of a nafshik. Every kid has to feel that they are your favorite child in the whole world. You have to shower them with feeling no matter what they do and no matter how they perform. Otherwise, they're very hypersensitive. They have a hole in the heart. But you know what? This is not new. The Nesiva Shalom was nifter over 20 years ago. He wrote Nesivei Chinuch 30 or 40 years ago. And you know what he says? One thing that you should listen to. He says, children are people. Did you know that? When we grew up, we were not people. We were pawns on a chess. Gairos, Gaibek, get out of here. He says, Nesivei Shalom, listen to this rabbi. He says, you're not allowed to tell a child, leave the room. You say, please go to the other room. How sensitive. Look how sensitive. Leave the room. You're not wanted. Please go to the other room. You're wanted over there. I never would have thought that that's how far you have to go. And that's, he says, yes, that's how far you have to go. That's how sensitive you need to be. Children, little, they're little. They're people. They're humans. They have emotions. And when you push them around, it hurts them. You don't say, get out of here. You don't even say, leave the room. Say, please go to the other room. If you use that sensitivity across the board from birth, then you'll have kids eating out of your hands. You'll carry them through their dark years. If you didn't start when they were born, it's not too late now. You start now. You take out the knives, which is a great TP tool that I think I invented, and you apply it to your kids who are healthy, and you say, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you, and you start giving them what they need, and you give them what they want, and you do it with and you're not going to spoil them. Spoiled kids are the ones who are getting things without love. You're giving things and you're giving love and you're giving commitment and you're telling them, Mommy and Tati are always going to be on your side. We're always going to be here for you from now until forever. Says Rib Hirsch, when you parent with power and control, it only lasts as long as you have control over this kid. Once he gets over the age of control, which used to be 20, then it dropped to 18, and now it's about 8. 
Shlomo Valba says, look how the world changed. He said, it used to be, even a teenage kid, you slapped them, and they, and they had achna. They, 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 gave, they backed down. He said, now you go to a two-year-old kid, you give a patch, he starts patching you back. Rabbi Shlomo Valba wrote that 40 years ago. Listen to the, the chinuch of the Rabbi Shlomo Valba and Nesiv Echinuch, and people from 40 years ago, they understood human nature changed. They understood what's happening. He said, Yashmashahu ba'avira shel merida. There's something in the air of rebellion. Rabbi Shlomo Valba, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. There's rebellion in the air. Don't challenge your kid. Don't challenge your kid. So listen how sensitive you have to be to say to a kid, leave the room. And I hear parents, get out of here. Get out of here? They're people. They're people. Yes, they're little. Says Rav Shamshan Rafal Hirsch, as long as you're using control on the child, it's only going to last until a certain age or when they're not in front of you anymore. But once they're in Yeshiva Gedalia, once they're away from you, how are you controlling them? He says, when you control them with your love, when they really know my father loves me, my mother loves me, they're crazy about me, he says, then it's going to work when they're young and when they're old, when they're in front of you, when they're far away, and even if you're separated from life and death. You can be in the Eilam Emes and you'll be controlling your child because he knew that you loved him. You'll affect the way that he lives his life for the rest of his life every single day. I'll end with a story of my friend who was Nebuch Nifter young. They found him Nebuch about a, a year and a half ago. On the side of the road, it seems like he had a heart attack. And by the Leviah, his 17-year-old, I think 17, no, older, maybe 20-year-old spoke. He said a story. He said, I was in Eretz Yisrael. I was going through a hard time. Nothing terrible, not drugs and suicide, nothing. He was a regular mainstream boy, mainstream yeshiva. He said, I was going through a hard time. I spoke to my father. And I said, Dad, I'm going through Tati, Abba. I'm going through a hard time. And he told him what he's going through. He said, 24 hours later, there was a knock on his door. He opens the door. His father. His father flew from America to Israel to give him a hug. They went out to eat. Didn't discuss anything. Gave him a hug. I love you. Flew back to America. And that's the story that this 20-year-old Bachar said about his father. You know what I said? I said, this boy has a father for the rest of his life. Every day for the rest of his life, he doesn't have a father living, but he has a father. He's going to feel my father loved me for the rest of his life. He has that strength. Think about the thousands and thousands of people out there who their father is alive, but they don't have a father. And they feel like my father thinks I'm a loser. My father thinks I'm... They have negative father. They're Yusayimim. Not only they don't have a positive father, but they have a, a broken self-esteem because my father thinks I'm this and I'm this and I'm this. And those of us who grew up after the second generation, from the first generation, we're all missing a father. Most most of the survivors didn't say, I'm proud of you, I love you. And we started to need it, but we lived without it. But the next generation needs it. Needs it very bad. That's how much we need to be there for our kids. This Bachar, this 20-year-old, he lost his father physically, but every day, no matter where he's going to be, he has the most yukna shalaviv. He has his father. I knew my father was crazy about me. He flew to Israel just to give me a hug. He's going to be able to get out of every situation and to be strong for the rest of his life. 
But we're here, we're alive. We have to give our kids that feeling every single day. Not once, every single day. That's what saves your kids. Whether they go through this bump in the road, jealousy in the road, this tough teacher, this rough patch, that's the feeling. A father and a mother, you're irreplaceable. That's your job. And it's a full-time job, and it's very, very hard. And nobody told us to us. Nobody told us to us that that's our job. We thought, I have to make sure he, if we're running like a boot camp, an army, processing kids. Take a shower, take a bath, do your homework, do the thing, do the thing go to sleep, <sighs> get up in the morning, get them dressed, get them dressed, get on the bus, <sighs> right? Processing, processing. It's not a processing plant. We're not able to do it that way. Every kid needs to have that. And some kids are going to be easier, and you'll give up, and you'll, you won't do it, and you'll realize later on, oops, because they were easy, they didn't get the attention. You gotta watch those quiet kids. You gotta watch those easy kids. You gotta watch because you don't know what's coming around the corner and one little glitch. And what holds them is knowing my parents are crazy about me. I'm not just one in the assembly line. And the more kids you have, the more you gotta work on this. It's much harder. Much harder to do. That's your tafkid. And sorry, I don't usually share so much about me, but I felt that it's important that we clear the air, that you can use your tools on regular kids. You're just not using the crazy part because they're not crazy. Use the normal part and the regular chinuch and learn the sivei chinuch and internalize it and pick up a chinuch book and really live by that. Because if you don't do regular, pure, real Torah chinuch on your kids and you're doing TP on another kid, then all your kids are going to be in big trouble because then they get jealous. That's dangerous.